Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fire Science Show. Today, I'm taking you to a trip to Brussels. Well, technically, it's a trip to Istra in northern Italy, but the stuff we're going to talk is very Brussels-ish, if I may. I have connected with an amazing person, Dr. Adamantia Athanasopoulou from Joint Research Center of European Commission, who has recently led a task. Uh, they've published a massive, massive report on state of performance-based fire safety engineering in Europe. And that was my initial trigger to talk with Adamantia. But as you will see in this discussion, it's not covering that report only because we went way, way more into how fire safety regulations can be issued in Europe, uh, the story of Eurocodes and how it is an example of, of good development in, in communication between engineers, how European Commission uses research to guide it developments and uh, what can they do with the knowledge Adamantia found with her, with her group on the state of performance-based research. I'm going to link the report in the show notes. It's very useful to take a look into it. I think for the first time, I really saw a really pan-European overview of where are we are with fire safety engineering in it. And I, I really admire the amount of work done there by the group of Vadamantia and by her group of uh, angel experts who are supporting European Commission in, in performing this research. So, yeah, a lot to unwrap in here, much more than just the contents of the report. Let's have a peek inside how European Commission and fire safety regulations work in here. Let's spin the intro and jump into the episode. Welcome to the Fireside Show. My name is Wojciech Wingzinski, and I will be your host. Producing episodes like the one you're about to hear is possible because of the support I receive from my diamond sponsor of the show, the OFR Consultants. OFR Consultants are a multi-award winning independent consultancy dedicated to addressing fire safety challenges. OFR is the UK's leading fire risk consultancy. Its globally established team has developed reputation for preeminent fire engineering expertise with colleagues working across the world to protect people, property and planet. In the UK, that includes the redevelopment of Printworks Building in Canada Water, one of the tallest residential buildings in Birmingham, as well as historic structures like the National Gallery, National History Museum and the National Portrait Gallery in London. Internationally, the work ranges from Antarctic to Atacama Desert in Chile and a number of projects in Africa. In 2023, OFR is growing its team and is keen to hear from industry professionals who want to collaborate on the fire safety futures this year. Get in touch at OFRconsultants.com. OFR, thank you for being a patron of this show and thanks to you being able to make this content for everyone. Hello, everybody. I'm here today with Dr. Adamantia Athanasopoulou from Joint Research Center of the European Commission. Hey, Adamantia, great to hear, have you in the podcast. Great to be here. Hello, Wojciech. Hello to everybody. We've connected through LinkedIn and it, I, it was quite brilliant because I've discovered a report that JRC has published on the state of fire safety engineering in Europe. And uh, absolutely, we're going to talk about the report a lot. But uh, we've also briefly met and I am fascinated by you, your role and the interests of European Commission. So before we jump into the contents of the of the magnificent uh, report, please tell me how, how did you end up working on the state of, of fire safety engineering on behalf of European Commission? Uh, okay, so I have to share detail, important one before yeah. starting. I'm a civil engineer. A structural engineer. I'm not a fire safety engineer. And perhaps, I don't know, am I the first one in this show to, to not be fire safety? We need to <laughs> define what the fire safety engineer is first, and that's not a trivial task either. Same, yeah. good point. Very good point. So how how we ended up, how, why am I speaking about fire safety engineering in the first place? So I am a civil engineer. Um, graduated uh, from the University of Patrios in Greece, and then I wanted uh, a big challenge in my life and crossed the ocean and found myself in the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, mm -hmm. USA. Uh, I did my master's and PhD there, focusing on the um, seismic performance of concrete low-rise mm -hmm. shear walls. These are the walls you would find in a typical parking okay. structure. And investigating how to use high-performance fiber reinforced concrete mm -hmm. there. 
uh, working in the laboratory, a uh, great five years time there, uh, missing Europe. And there comes an opportunity to work as a researcher for the European Commission. And I find myself in the JRC. So this is the Joris Center of the European Commission. Mm -hmm. It is a science service of the European Commission. It has more than 2,000 um, mm -hmm. scientists uh, working on various, various fields in, in science and engineering, supporting the European Commission in the whole policy production and development uh, cycle. So giving expert opinion, scientific opinion, scientific data recommendations to the European Commission. Uh, JRC is located in many uh, countries around Europe. The largest site is found in Istraf, mm. uh, northern Italy, and this is where I am also today talking to you. So um, I went to JRC, uh, that was in 2009, mm. to work as a research fellow in a project supporting implementation of policies and standards for the construction mm -hmm. sector. Nothing yet on fire. Mostly structural design, because at the time, uh, the Eurocodes were in development. Uh, what are the Eurocodes? These are the European standards for structural mm. design, common European standards, common mm. language, bringing together design philosophies, design mentalities, design traditions in the world of structural engineering. Great work done at that time, uh, nothing yet on fire, but a lot of expertise and experience acquired on how to bring together engineers and have common standards to design a building, a bridge, a silo, uh, mm -hmm. a structure. In 2012, I moved back to my home country, back to university teaching structural engineering. Nothing <laughs> on fire yet. I'm still ignorant about this field, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I'm a traditional Greek civil engineer. Earthquakes and concrete mm -hmm. structures. This is the, the typical, you know, path. Uh, so I'm teaching structural mechanics, structural engineering, concrete. And in 2016, mm -hmm. I'm called back to the JRC. Um, same location, Ispra, Italy. Same unit called Safety and Security of Buildings Unit. Called back to a similar project like the one I was working. This time, uh, the Eurocodes were fully implemented at the time in the EU member states. A success story. Uh, if you think about, we're talking about more than 1,000 experts working on standardization of structural design and with huge momentum in adoption internationally. So now the project is a bit extended, covering policies and standards for sustainable construction and also looking into new fields of application. Uh, and then starts the discussion about fire. Um, why uh, we were... Uh, discussing about fire design at, at that point, 2016. Um, seeing technological developments and, mm. and the need for improved energy-performing buildings, changing significantly um, the built environment, uh, bringing new challenges for the European policymakers. Because at the JRC, still, we are supporting the European Commission, most importantly, DG Grow, which is uh, the partner DG. So there seems to be a need to look into fire safety design policies and standards. Um, an important um, point is that fire safety in the built environment is a national competence and regulated by the EU member states. So nothing can come out from the European Commission as a regulation of fire safety design. However, Commission can play and plays an important role um, with complementary activities, which is facilitating education and dissemination. Uh, so this is the, so it is in the radar, fire design is in the radar of the European Commission. Being in a unit with a lot of expertise in structural design, in experimental methods, in supporting standardization, comes there. So we start thinking about what to do, how to support. And unfortunately, we are now in 2017 and there is the Grenfell Tower mm -hmm. fire in the UK. So this was actually having fire safety in the radar of the European Commission, but then having really a bell ringing above our heads that uh, you guys... You need to look into this. We, we'll jump into the, the next things, okay. but I, I need. So we're going to continue about the developments from 2017. What, 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 what a story okay. it is. And uh, I love how you switched branches yeah. from uh, earthquake engineering. I actually just had an episode with researcher Nagar Alami Korasni from uh, University of Buffalo. She's okay. uh, implementing a lot of stuff from earthquake engineering mm -hmm. into probabilistic fire engineering. So... We are somewhat familiar, well, maybe not very, but somewhat familiar with the concepts of, of earthquake engineering and how they play. And it's fantastic because uh, the earthquake engineering, the, the performance-based engineering seems to play a, a significant role. 
And that is, in fact, something that, that you were burdened to research on behalf of, of JRC. Now, w- one thing that uh, I, I really like, JRC is like a scientific institute within European Commission. Exactly, yes. It, it's like a scientific hub within the, the family of the European Commission. Yes, it is the only Fantastic. one. Uh, within the European Commission, yes, because all the other director generals are doing policy work, that, but somehow they need the scientific advice coming from. Uh, the maybe I'm ignorant, but I, I've just learned that I didn't know that that the EU yeah. has its own scientific resources, and that's very reassuring to know that Commission is using uh, science and scientists like you to guide their decisions. And I, I truly hope they are being guided by this science. You have positioned Eurocodes as uh, some sort of a success story for European Commission. We all know Eurocodes have their fire parts. You said the Commission cannot directly impose laws for countries as the fire safety is national prerogative. But it, through Eurocodes, that actually kind of happened because the European Commission presented a very convenient way to do structural fire engineering with Eurocodes, allowing mm. some sort of freedom for countries because each can make a, its own national annex. Is this uh, the, the optimal way for European Commission to affect the, the fire safety over the Europe or are there any other ideas? Because I think Eurocodes worked quite well in this. Indeed. Okay. So the, the Eurocodes as yeah. standards, as European standards, they are produced and published by Schen. Okay. This is the uh, European Committee mm-hmm. for Standardization. So they're not a direct product of the okay. European Commission. So they are, they are published by Schen, which is a European organization, mm-hmm. non-profit private organization, being supported by um, the EU um, member states, how through the national standardization bodies. So each European member state has a national standards body that is directly involved in the work by CERN. So CERN works independently of preparing the European standards. It does not, CERN will not do, you know, the work on its own. It responds to requests by industry, by practitioners, and even by the European Commission. Mm. Now that we are talking about standards, actually the Eurocodes are in the process of evolution. Uh, the first generation was published, and now we are almost there to the second generation. And this second generation comes because there was a mandate by the European Commission asking for new standards, for new euro codes, and for um, enhancing their use in certain new um, demands and, and covering topics. So there is, I would say, um, quite a direct communication between the European Commission okay. and CEN. So this is how, how through standards, uh, the European Commission is, is I would say, um, uh, working uh, around safety, which is regulated by the EU member states. The Eurocodes are standards, so it's up to the member mm-hmm. states to uh, decide their status. Leave them as standards or make them obligatory through insertion, incorporation in the national regulatory system. So it's up to the, to the country and the specificities of the regulatory system. But still, European Commission had a say because they issued the mandate to do them. So exactly. Yes. They yes. they said we need them because uh, we need them because of yes we we need them because we need the common language fantastic. because we mm-hmm. need common uh, design practices we need that uh, engineers to be able to work from one country to the other to support the single market. And I would assume a similar process has happened post Grenfell when or, or maybe it was even before Grenfell for the harmonized European facade uh, testing method. This was also something. Yes, okay. exactly. So, so, exactly. So, so, yeah, started again, started from European Commission and again from DigiBro. But, but, exactly. Okay, yes. so so yes. European Commission indeed maybe it does not finish the work, but it sets up what's being worked on, and I think that's that's super important. And and we m- many of us uh, people listening, the guests of the show, have been on various CN committees. We we know how it looks from from the inside doing the standard work, mm-hmm. but it's very. But the world, you know, of the Brussels is very remote. And, and <laughs> even if, if, if your Brussels is located in northern Italy in a, in a lovely landscape, it's still uh, somewhat inaccessible for us uh, mortals. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, because we at the JRC, um, there are so many visitors every day, experts on, on various um, fields to discuss with the JRC scientists on topics related to, to the work we are doing. So it's a really, it's an accessible 
ซึ่งเป็นประเทศที่ดีที่สุดในโลกนี้ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่
by the member states implementing the Eurocodes. These are not fixed codes. There is the standard and then there is the national annex, which describes the choices by each country. So we say we think that with this mentality, the flexibility of standards, perhaps we can approach um, the issue of fire safety design and look into fire safety engineering. So we said, yes, let's start this work. This was about 2018, mm. maybe between, you know, discussions and then and agreements. That was more or less 2018. Okay. And at JRC, uh, as a team of, uh, at the time, uh, three engineers, civil engineers, uh, started looking into the issue of fire safety engineering. Studying, going to events to understand what is happening, being in contact with experts uh, to try to see what, what we are talking about. And there comes the idea uh, that this is a matter of collaboration, mm -hmm. again, of um, exchanging ideas, because we understand that there, is, uh, there are differences in between the member states. There are different ideas. Uh, each country is in a different state of uh, understanding mm -hmm. and, and implementation and, and practices. So we say we need to bring more expertise into this work. And in 2019, so you see how time passes by studying mm. and, and, and looking into the topic. We are already in 2019 and JRC establishes an expert network on fire safety engineering, which is our angel network, because these are the experts on fire safety design uh, helping us with the work. This expert network coordinated by the JRC, it's a small network, so we are not, this is not like the FIEP. FIEP is really wide participation, exchange mm. of ideas. The network, it's more of a small network of experts from academia, industry, and firefighters. Experts on fire safety engineering. So we are a bit, you know, focusing on, on the topic, on performance-based design. And we, uh, we call these people, at the beginning there were about 10, then it kind of expanded. We have 15 to 20 experts in the networks to discuss the problem, the, the issue, and to see how do we need to set a framework of work. What are we doing? How? Why? In the report, there's an Annex A where you can uh, find out who these mysterious experts are. And... <laughs> Exactly. It, it is uh, it is a brilliant group of engineers, scientists, a really great mix of experts from different CN committees, from different European universities, from large laboratories, from fire mm. brigade. For such a small group, a very diverse uh, mix of experiences and backgrounds and uh, definitely knowledge. So, so uh, you as a group of engineers not uh, coming from the world of fire, you meet this this group of fire experts. One thing I cannot understand, how can you, how did you make them work on one coherent document? <laughs> it <laughs> must have been uh, so, so, so hard to, to achieve what you have achieved because what you have achieved is truly mapping the performance-based fire safety engineering throughout the whole European Union, including uh, UK at that point. So it also maps maps yes, UK yes. Uh, system. That This is something I've never seen in, in my career, that someone has managed to truly be an overview that, that includes all views from Hungary to Spain to, to, to Sweden. Uh, that that's, that's brilliant. So tell me how this work did uh, look like when, uh, when you were preparing that. So, um... Talking about that um, really um, great uh, group of experts, it, it is really important to say that they are working on a voluntary basis, which is um, an interesting point because they all have their, uh, you know, their, their daily jobs. They are all passionate about uh, fire safety design and they are uh, working with JRC on a voluntary basis, so um, sharing expertise. So not wanting, you know, to impose an extra work and extra workload. What we were doing with them, we were kind of extracting their knowledge, they're extracting their views, and us and JRC doing the, the work in terms of collecting information, mapping the situation, and writing down our observations. So we made them a bit work for us by sharing their expertise and their, their views. It was obvious from the first meeting of the, of the network that what we are lacking is, is data and, and information on the situation. 
because we started looking for information about what is happening in Europe concerning fire safety engineering, performance fire safety design. We found some great uh, relevant works by um, SEN TC127, but ISO TC92. There were, there were some surveys on the status of FSE, but these were targeting specific mm-hmm. countries. Uh, so they were not targeting whole Europe because at the time, I suppose it was not possible. Uh, they were mostly dealing with countries that traditionally are, I would say, expert in fire, in fire safety engineering. So they were not addressing whole Europe. And we said from the first um, meeting that we need to understand what is happening in every single country in Europe. And to extend this, as to, to include as many countries as possible that are involved in same. So, standardization in the European uh, region. So, that's why you will see also UK, you will see also Serbia mm-hmm. in the report. You see countries that are involved with technical committees and see what is happening. Discussing with the network, uh, we say how to do this. And comes the idea, we need to do an inquiry. We need to go to the fire regulators in the EU member states and the countries and get their feedback. We need to be in a direct discussion with them because they're the ones that know exactly what is happening in their own countries. So the idea comes, 2019, we will do an inquiry on fire safety engineering status and implementation needs. And this is how the whole story of collecting data started. Uh, Obviously, the idea was to do the inquiries through an online questionnaire. That was the easy choice. But then the question was, what would be the questions? Mm -hmm. Uh, Who would be the targeted uh, responders? What are we dealing with? Are we dealing with um, everything related to fire safety engineering? Are we somehow trying to frame this? So this is, again, how the experts, the network, helped us, helped JRC, by pointing us to the right direction, by giving us their view. So this is how we... We have been using the, the network and we managed to, to do the work and write the report. At the beginning, I had an in- impression that you coming from the structural engineering world, your view of fire safety and what, what fire safety is would be uh, somewhat related to the structural fire engineering. And now you're thrown into the world of, of detection, evacuation, smoke toxicity, yes. material properties. Uh, it's it's. Probably a very challenging world to enter, but but this is also why, why your uh, why your views on this are very uh, valuable for for us for the fire safety community because we're all close in our bubbles in our silos. Everyone from us fire safety engineers comes from a, a certain education and background, which imposes some inevitable biases on you. Uh, it's very difficult to study um, fire safety engineering as a whole thing. Because you're always, you know, biased in in some way. You may have been biased towards structural fire engineering, I would assume. But probably as as you discovered more and more features of fire safety, this probably altered your view. Now, an important question is, but but why? Okay, you want to map the fire safety engineering, but why European Commission felt it is necessary to map it at this detail? Or was it just uh, your individual decision that, okay, we need to map it at details because otherwise we, we lose the, the, the view? It was kind of a combination. It was a performance fire safety design was uh, in, I would say, in the list of factions of the commissions who look into this, this, this idea because perhaps uh, this can uh, help to better um, support fire safety design practices in, in the European member states. And there also comes our background from, from JRC instruction mm. engineering, because as you said, performance-based design was a bit already incorporated in our mentality, because this is how we design structures for uh, structural mm. design. So we are, we are used to performance-based design, so it was a bit incorporated. Having the commission not in the place to regulate fire safety, but in the place to support training, education, sharing data. If, if, we, if we didn't map the situation, we couldn't decide on the next okay. action. So if, if we didn't know exactly what was happening, how could we support, provide recommendations? So it was, at this, I would say, complete lack of information was the trigger to collect a data in such a, in such form. 
and uh, got as a cornerstone for building up the next actions to really map yes. out where are we exactly uh, yes. holistically viewing everything from sprinklers to structural fire engineering and evacuation exactly and also we you know we we had inspiration when we were looking into our previous mm. studies on fire safety engineering we noticed that in all these studies the field was actually broken into technical mm-hmm. areas. So we, we saw immediately that we cannot talk about fire safety engineering with just one word. We need to break this into the technical areas, sprinklers, compartmentation, structural engineering. So we need to break this into and to understand what's the situation in every technical area. Because it could be that in one area, engineers are really using a performance-based design, but in another area... I I can give you a very quick example from Poland where, for example, smoke control would be fully performance-based. Like, literally, in in the law, it says you should design the system so it provides uh, safe evacuation without really going much further into it. So so it's it's fully performance-based objective. Whereas, uh, for example, structural engineering... It, it, it would be fully prescribed and operating only in fire resistance, not not uh, some sort of load-bearing capacity in fire or, or any other aspects. Okay, you can go Eurocodes. But still, uh, the, the, the basic regulations are very prescriptive-based. So, so I guess every country would differentiate in, in a way. Um, from the summary, actually, Fire Safe Europe published a very nice and, and, and short summary of this uh, report. It seems that the most of the countries have some sort of fire safety engineering application. Yes. However, it's super scattered. Like, what was your bird's eye view on that? Because really everyone has something, but everywhere is different? Exactly. Because, um, you know, the, the, when we were collecting data, and I can come back later how difficult <laughs> it was to collect the data in the end. But the first, you know, analysis we did was a map of Europe. And showing each country if FSC is allowed or not allowed. You know, a very simple question you had in the inquiry. Is it allowed to use FSC approach for fire safety designs in your country? Yes or no? And there we saw immediately that the answer was yes. That in theory, in principle, an engineer is allowed within the regulatory framework to use fire safety engineering approach. However, when going deeper into technical areas, or are you really using fire safety engineering, then the scatter is, is huge. So going from yes, most countries are using, are allowed to use FSC, going to not really, we're not using. We are using only in, in, in very specific cases or really not in any case. So when we started breaking the, you know, making the analysis and breaking the answers into the details and the technical areas, not really. There are countries that are more than 50%, I would say, performance-based design, okay. even fully. And there are countries that are practically uh, using uh, prescriptive approaches, 100%, despite having SSC approach uh, allowed. But your mapping also goes the other way, and I really enjoyed that way, that you've also mapped where prescriptive design is used and what uh, uh, regulations actually are guiding <laughs> that in a particular country. And maybe you have not intended this as an output of your report, but that that's a very useful like a cheat sheet for an internationally working engineer to quickly uh, take a look on what type of regulations to expect. For example, when I go to Slovenia, exactly, exactly, because you know we when we were doing this work, we were used to the Eurocode, so we were used to the idea that we have exactly an engineer changing a country and and doing the design of a bridge could go to the Eurocodes again and having the same, you know, um, um, family of standards and can do the work. So we say, what about fire safety design? Can we have at least have a list of the main uh, regulation in its um, member state? So what would the engineer use uh, if working in Slovenia, in Italy or France? And it was interesting because we saw that in, in, in some countries, in most countries, I would say, in the last 10 years, there have been new regulations published, new, improved, um, expanded, but there was some movement. However, still not a word about performance-based design. So even though they were publishing new regulation, still the performance-based design idea was not really present, or if it was present, no tools available to support design uh, with such an approach, which was, is again... Um, a huge challenge. And another thing, you said that the European Commission does not impose law but can affect uh, actions at various levels. So 
I would see two two of such levels. One is education, and second being the uh, certification licensing the fire safety profession. Were there also things that you you were trying to map out when doing this study? So perhaps you were present in one of our internal meetings and when we were oh. discussing the the long term vision or what's next. Uh, yes, th- that's the idea. That uh, the next step after the report is to to look into education and training to see how the commission can can facilitate education and training and what about certification. And this is why we had the questions regarding these two topics in, in the inquiry, to understand what is happening. And now we are trying a bit with the answers to, we did the mapping, mm-hmm. but now we're doing the grouping. So we want to see common trends, to, to, to have countries in common group, you know, in one group saying, okay, these countries, there is some experience and expertise, let's say, with education and training. In these countries, we see almost nothing. In, in, in this other group, there's, there's something happening. So try to, to group the countries and also see what each country is doing in the certification level. Mm-hmm. See if there is a framework. And if there is a framework, is there any common trend? Or we are really talking about harmonizing from, from scratch, I would say, you know, starting from the basis and uh, working on a on, um, qualification thing. But in this study, you have done mapping, but you have not done uh, assessing. You just show what countries are doing. You're not saying, okay, Italians have uh, figured out this part, but uh, the Flanders or Belgian government has a really good approach to this. No, no you're just mapping and... Oh. I would assume uh, a view of what's working, what's not working. It's somehow a future work, is it? Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And it's also interesting to note that when we were doing this inquiry, one question we had to to address and decide is who would be answering to this inquiry? Mm -hmm. So is it a wide inquiry? So we are opening the inquiry to all Polish fire safety practitioners and asking their views, or we go to the fire to the principal fire regulator of its country. Mm-hmm. So do we want views or do we need mostly facts? Mm-hmm. What is happening? And seeing previous studies going along the path of uh, collecting views from the experts, we took the other path. So we say, no, we want in principle one answer per country mm-hmm. from the national authority. And this is what I said previously, I will come back to the challenges yeah. in, in collecting data. Who is this person? Mm. Who is the principal fire regulator? Who is doing this job? And this was difficult. Okay. Um, and this is why we were collecting data answers for one year. Mm-hmm. The inquiry was launched in November 2020, and we closed having collected answers from all countries we were targeting October 2021. And and uh, did you have any mechanism to reassure that this person is representative to the country or, or this questionnaire is representative? How are you verifying yes. the data? Okay, so uh, initially when we when we reached out to the fire regulators, there is a group uh, managed by DG Grow, which is within the construction of families of groups under DG Grow. It's a subgroup on fire. So every country has an official uh, nomination for a fire expert to advise DG Grow. So these were the fir- our first contact points. This is uh, the person we reached out to, all these persons are national authorities. So they are not just a fire expert. They're working for the ministry or for the fire brigade, which is responsible for fire safety uh, designs, review, and, and regulation. So we went to these experts. In some cases, we, we received a response right away. Mm-hmm. And this was a response in many cases consulted within the organization of the country. So it was by one person but consulted within the, the group of the fire regulators. In some other cases, it was really impossible to get a response because that person was not responding or was already in a different position, mm-hmm. you know, not dealing with fire safety. And once again, this is when the network, the expert network helped us. Mm-hmm. So we say, hey guys, we are lacking responses from X countries. Can you help us identify who would be the right person to answer, having the official uh, authority. And this is how, you know, with um, word of mouth through experts, we, we reached to the, to the right person uh, in this country. Mm. That took one year. It was, uh, it was really difficult to, to get the right person. But everybody that answered 
is within part of the national forest. In front of my eyes, I have the the graphics. And by the way, the visual mm-hmm. part of the report is is mind blowing. It is beautiful. I really enjoyed reading the report, and I, I really enjoyed the infographic style of data presented in it because you we are talking here about very difficult statistics very complicated very challenging to understand and the way how it is presented is is a masterpiece and i i would if if anyone does not care about fire safety engineering in europe uh, you're welcome to not care but you should just check it for the graphics as well i have a graphics in front of my eyes sh- showing yeah. the <laughs> Uh, the responses from countries and and most of the map is is covered with a single response mm. there is two responses for, from France which i understand were different responses which that's, that's <laughs> yes. kind of funny yes this was the issue and yes I, i see there are parts of germany and and, and flanders region mm-hmm. which issued a separate response from their country which i also find interesting so uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely uh, these are the things you have to take into account when you are mapping uh, fire safety oh yes because we had some conflicting uh, national authorities saying no we aren't the authority to answer no not really we are the authority mm. so this is why we see in some uh, cases this uh, this issue and uh, out of 34 countries mapped uh, only four were not uh, showing uh, any allowance for fire safety engineering yes. was Portugal, yes. Slovakia, Bulgaria, and Greece. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about Greece not having performance-based engineering? Uh, you know, okay, another thing to share with the, with the audience is that I am Greek. Yeah. If you check the other co-authors, one is from Portugal and the other one is from Bulgaria. Okay. So the core group of, of authors Uh, we're coming from countries not allowing um, FSC approach. Uh, really, it was it was disappointing, but also it allowed us a bit to go deeper and really confirm that what the answer was is true, because we could directly um, discuss with the uh, with the responders and confirm that indeed it's not allowed. Because thinking about the Eurocodes, in some cases FSC it is practically allowed at least for structural engineering. So the response was a bit um, questionable. But the thing is, in these four countries, also Slovakia, there is no regulatory framework allowing. Mm-hmm. So the absence of allowance, of really saying it is allowed, it means no, it's not allowed. Mm-hmm. So it's also a matter of um, interpretation. So yes, so we are this group of three um, engineers, researchers, Greece, Portugal, and uh, Bulgaria. And I have to give credits for the visuals that you just commented on the fourth author, mm. uh, Francesca Sciaretta, because she was the, she's the fire expert in the okay. group. And she, her help in, in the visuals was really instrumental mm. because um, we ran the analysis many, many times. We produced many, many visuals, you know, trying to see if I see, if I see it, would it make sense? Mm. Or someone would have to go really in detail with the report. And uh, Francesca, she really worked on having these visuals in in a way that are meaningful. Fantastic. Because the, uh, it's a, a lot of data. And also, we we kind of did a bit of trial and, and error procedure. Since we were collecting data for one year, we didn't uh, wait until the end of this period to run the analysis. We said, okay, we have eight answers. We do an analysis just to see what the situation. We go and present the analysis to relevant events. Mm. So we even went to present the, the, the results, preliminary results in, in conferences, in, in events in, in Brussels, even before collecting answers from, from everybody. It helped because we were also um, assessing their reactions. Mm. Is the message clear or we need to rethink the analysis? So that helped a lot because in the beginning it was really overwhelming. How How do we present all oh. this? Okay, we have our questions. How how to do it? It is, it is very overwhelming. I, I guess we're going to stop talking about the report contents itself. I will just tell the audience that it goes really in depth, like uh, which countries are using uh, performance-based engineering in terms of smoke control, detection, sprinklers. It, it goes very, very deep into narrow things used in, uh, throughout the Europe. The questionnaire itself, which is also a part of the report, was very detailed. And if you go and read the report on your own, I would highly require first going to check the questionnaire because that will quickly let you understand what is the data collected and what can you 
understand what can you find in the report and then go through the analysis showing uh, the, the replies and the statistical distributions and the differences. It's, it's, a, it's really interesting to, to take a look on the picture of ourselves, our, our fire safety family in, in Europe. But now, now I don't want to talk about the report to not run out of time because I really want to talk about conclusions. And, and I think that's the most important thing. Your first conclusion refers to the state of fire safety engineering. And I think we've covered a lot of that in, in our discussion so far. So next are three things, education, standardization, and, and future work. Let's start with education. So viewing this uh, from, from the holistic perspective of the whole of the Europe, what are the findings of the report and, and your recommendations towards educating the next generation of fire safety engineers in Europe? Okay, so so the first point that came out is that there is no um, a harmonized educational framework. So there is not necessarily a university level course on fire safety engineering throughout Europe. There is in some countries, there is not in some other countries. Either a specific course, a master's level course. So each country has a very specific situation. Being said that, there is no educational framework harmonized across Europe. There is no uh, certification mm. uh, qualification network. Uh, again, it's not harmonized because these are really interlinked. And this was obvious. So education and qualification framework are linked. If you don't provide education, you cannot really uh, work or impose a certification uh, and qualification framework. Sorry, what kind of actions can European Commission take to resolve that uh, we, we have great examples of really successful education in Europe. International Masters of Fire Safety Engineering. I know Bart Massey was one of your secret experts in, in, in your group. Yes. So you had access to the best educators in, in Europe. How can European Commission act on that? The first way would be to share the best practice examples. Mm. So again, it's through our report and through um, you know um, communication actions to share uh, the best practice example, say we have X and Y examples of education. Mm -hmm. So let's see how they're doing and, and, and ask with experts to present how the program was structured, how all the actions were structured. So sharing the, the examples. Uh, then, and linking this again to qualifications framework. Okay. So again, sharing what is being done in some countries. Uh, would this actually fit in, in, in throughout Europe? or thinking about how to harmonize. So I would say start a bit lighter. What if we try to set up a, a harmonization framework for qualifications? Mm -hmm. can, we, can we propose something, something that worked in some countries, perhaps giving some flexibility and trying to apply this in, in every EU member state? Mm -hmm. Actually, this is why in the inquiry, we also ask the, the responders their views and not facts anymore about education needs. So we, we asked them, do you see a need for education and training in your country? And the vast majority said yes. Mm. And do you see that need as um, at university level, at uh, you know, postgraduate level, firefighters uh, training courses? There, there was a mix of responses. So practically, they say yes to everything. <laughs> Uh, yes, we need training in, in, all, in, in all levels, which makes sense because each one you know, uh, the engineers, the fire, the fire brigade, they have a different role. So it makes sense to ask for training in all levels. If train to obtain a licensure or, or certificate or, or any approval, formal approval to do fire safety engineering in, the, in, in your country, it's interesting that different countries also have very different systems. Uh, some would have national authorities, some would have fire brigade that is dictating the solutions. So we have local authorities. In Poland, we have very strong fire safety experts, the chartered mm -hmm. ones. Uh, and it's like governmental charter, not some sort of group uh, or institution that would give chartership. It's a very difficult place to harmonize, but I, can, I guess uh, the soft actions as promoting best practices and promoting uh, good examples that work, I see this uh, as, a, as a huge possibility to advance further. Yes, we need to take small steps mm. to, to get to the long vision. Because <laughs> going back now to 2018, you know what was the first uh, idea we had as mm. uh, engineers at the JRC? I say a fire safety coach. So we said that word, that, 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 that term in the beginning. 
And after being involved in this in this work, we we say no. We are not in 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 the place. We are not ready to talk about a fire safety code. Mm. We can talk about harmonization of procedures in design, in education, in training and qualification framework. Because a, a European fire safety code perhaps would be something, I don't know, in 50 years time, even further in the future. But harmonization seems feasible. So again, as a next step, now I work on a study, I would call it, on FSC education at university professional level. To, to see what's again the situation using the inquiry and perhaps also doing a new inquiry, but not now for the fire regulators, but to the experts that are involved really on in education and training. Compare the, the, the paths to educate FS engineers uh, to understand the tasks it's, um, the fire engineer is asked to perform in its country. Mm-hmm. So to understand what the fire engineer is doing or not doing. And, and this is how to go further. Again, it would be, as you see, it's again a mapping exercise, mm. but this is one of the most important activities in the commission before taking any action. Mapping, comparing, and understanding. You're completely ruining my views of bureaucracy at the European level now, because this sounds reasonable. And as you can imagine, my view was a little opposite of that. So thank you for, for, for that. Okay, the next thing, standardization and research needs. So you said the code is, uh, if we had a Eurofire code, uh, that's probably a, a half decade ahead, and uh, which means it's probably n- not going to happen ever. I, I Maybe, like, you know, in, sometimes we get this uh, period of bravery when in three years we do something that 50 years could not accomplish. Maybe we will have such a period of bravery in the European fire safety family, but it doesn't look it's going to happen very, very soon. And now you've recognized the needs in standardization and research. You actually put that in the same paragraph. So, so let's go there. Yes. Because, okay, yes, we put that in the same paragraphs from the work. These were, again, the views of the regulators. But I think it is important because uh, they, they express what they are missing, what they see as lucky. From the report, we identified topics for the organization. So uh, trying a bit to frame what to do next. And I think standardization and research, they are a bit interlinked. Okay, research comes first and then standards take the outcome of research, put it into a, into a code. But what we, what we saw, um, most responders were asking for design fires and fire scenarios. They see this really lacking if there is the will to um, implement fire safety engineering approach, mm-hmm. fire safety performance and acceptance criteria. There, were, there was there's a long list. But these were, as they would say, the top topics uh, identified as research and standardization needs. So for us at the JRC, um, this is also a matter of, let's say, assessment, mm-hmm. because in the research part, there can be also some support. At JRC, there are huge um, experimental facilities. Yes, there is the expertise in, in structural and earthquake engineering. Uh, but uh, lately, there have been also some um, uh, work on fire, even at the JRC. So there is one thing about even research that could be even done at JRC, but then there are so many uh, the, European institutions, uh, you know, capable to go the research the, the, a bit the, Does this mean that somewhere on the horizon there would be a CEN subgroup devoted to to this, something like ISO TC92? There is, there is already, there is CEN TC127. 127, okay. And there is a, a working group uh, within the 127 on fire safety engineering. Right, yeah. But they are not doing research. They are trying to see how to take all the, you know, the outcomes of research and put them in, in a standard or in a umbrella. Mm. They call sometimes document on performance-based fire design. So there is, but as with all standards production, it takes time because it requires consensus. Yeah. And building consensus, uh, it is challenging. I, I asked it because now that, that you mentioned that there's I, I, uh, 
sent one to seven. Uh, of course, there, there's the group by Daniel Jouyet and others, other groups. Exactly. Uh, also was a part of your of your expert network. There, there are these groups, but we do not have a standard on design fires. We do not have standard on smoke yields. We do not have standard on on human uh, travel speeds and and factors that influence that. This is all knowledge that you can gain only through scientific literature and maybe resources like SFP Handbook or, or other renowned uh, pieces. Exactly. Uh, so, so it would be great if if, if this could be standard. I, I'm saying that as a member of a group that uh, develops the the standards for smoke control. And in our groups, we spend considerable amount of time discussing design fires, which we should probably not do because it's not. An, we should define how to calculate the mass flow through event, not uh, calculate how one should define the fire. But we need because it's undefined, and and without this definition, we're unable to really provide performance-based engineering in, in this field. So. I appreciate that this is a recognized area for future development. But in terms of just general uh, safety engineering path or performance-based engineering, was there any uh, recommendation that maybe a, a standard on performance-based engineering should uh, should come to life or not really? Not afraid like this, maybe it's too early, but there was a, the coming as, I would say, recommendation, observation from the report that the regulators are asking for the allowance of uh, FSC approach in fire design, uh, especially in, in, in cases where prescriptive mm. approaches cannot be applied. Uh, we're not talking about just residential buildings because mm. in the report, you also see cases in which countries are using mm. FSC because there is nothing, nothing more. So the recommendation is that um, there is a request for performance-based design allowance in fire safety design and the request to have the appropriate tools mm-hmm. to apply performance-based design. So there is the lack of tools and, and a request to develop such tools and being available through standards, guidelines, manuals, somewhere documented so that the fire engineers can use them. I'm not sure if we need a European standard on that because resources exist. There's a very good German standard that has been published in English and uh, revised in German. Hope we get the revision uh, somewhere soon. There is SFP has been championing performance-based engineering for years, yes. uh, and now we have established SFP Europe. And uh, SFP is is working hard on the revision of performance-based engineering uh, code, which is going to be ANSI code in in US. So uh, a lot of efforts are already happening, and uh, I believe you would get more for your euros spent researching the the missing points that you've just mentioned, and they are they are probably the more difficult ones to obtain uh, than than the framework. Exactly, exactly. This is one of the reasons why we dropped the idea of a European fire safety code because uh, there are already technical committees working on something similar, either in Europe or internationally. There is expertise in USA. And so we said we should not produce something from, from zero. We need to see what is happening and perhaps to say we are missing design fires, for example, mm. and let's bring, let's put together all the research on that mm. field in, in one document, in a standard, in a guideline. So uh, it is exactly as we said, there, there, there is a lot of work done, but I think it is not clearly documented. It is not always easy to find mm. what's happening. And, and because I'm thinking about, you know, single engineers in English, uh, that um, they are not really allowed to apply SSC mm. approach, but they are dealing with a building that cannot be designed with a prescriptive uh, method. So where should they turn yep. to? What, what to use? So I'm thinking as an engineer, it will be good to have documents giving all the information uh, necessary. Of course, there you have the engineering judgment. It will be the engineer to, to assess how to use the, the information, but let's give the information to them. And my prediction for the next 20, 30 years, if I'm in any place to make predictions, but uh, my, my prediction is that almost every building will be innovative. The technology is is moving so quickly. The design solutions are moving so quickly and they are so interlocked together, you know, a change in building envelope leads to a completely different energy performance, which you can then combine with a specific energy source, uh, a specific heat management system that leads to completely different requirements in ventilation, moisture control, 
glazing, everything changes. And, and, everything, and, yes. and it's, it's very connected to this particular building because a different building, which just has a different detail of its envelope, may have the whole further domino set up completely different way. And, and both will affect uh, fire safety in a very specific way, in a different way. And their prescriptive codes are in no position to, uh, to handle that. Because they would become so complex, they would become performance-based engineering themselves, in a way. So I, I see a bright future on um, for fire safety engineering in, in Europe. Now, uh, for the final uh, conclusion, what's the future? What's the direct future work? The, the next one step that's probably already happening at the commission, at the JRC? W- where are we heading now? Okay, so um, first thing is that CEP, the Fire Information Exchange Platform, is is active and it's doing a lot of dissemination mm-hmm. work. So there, there are webinars, conferences, events, and whoever is interested or work in the area of fire safety design is, is mostly welcome to participate to join CEP. So this is one one path, and it, it goes it goes forward. The expert network uh, run by JRC is is active. Mm-hmm. And we will continue the, the collaboration with, with them. And then uh, JRC is still entrusted with the work on fire safety engineering. So it goes forward. And now the, we are in the phase of disseminating the report uh, as widely as possible because it is important to collect feedback. Mm. So this podcast mm. is, is great. Presenting the report in scientific conferences and fora is also important, and we want the feedback. So we don't just want people saying great report and, and stopping there. We want them to share their, their views. Also, the next, and the next study is about education and training, qualification frameworks, finding that missing <coughs> link between education and, and licensing and qualifications, recognized trend countries. So what I said about the privately, previously about grouping, especially with site design approval process, who does what? Even work a bit on, on definitions of terminology, uh, on fire safety engineering. There is work done by ISO 1992 in this field, but it came also out from the questioner, what is a fire safety consultant really? And what is a fire safety engineer? Mm. What, what is it? I mean, do we agree? We started with this question. We we started with this exact question on the podcast, yes. Do we know? I I don't think so. And identify big gaps and best practices. So bring to light best practices and uh, see what the big gaps and trying to to close them. And also, again, going back to education, the different paths of education offered by countries and then and, and harmonized. So we continue, I would say, along the same path, what comes out from the report. So we work on the conclusions and trying now to assess them and to collect more information on, on the conclusions. And also, it was a big discussion if we should further um, understand uh, the reasons for non-allowance or the practical non-use of FSA. Uh, but mm. I think this will be strongly linked to, to education and expertise in the end. Fantastic. Adamantia, thank you so much. I think it was a priceless interview for anyone uh, interested in performance-based fire safety engineering in, in, in Europe or anywhere, as it gives a very unique insight to, to how things are being made and uh, very reassuring to understand that science is the base of developments in Europe. It, it's... Uh, can't believe this. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like it should be. Wow. I, I, I'm glad because I'm sure you, you said it and I, I would say the same some years ago. I'm sure people don't understand what is happening in the commission or behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. There are so many regulations coming out, but uh, really, in many cases, not in all cases, there is some science behind them. Mm-hmm. It's just good to be part of that, um, of that process. Brilliant. So th- thank you. Thank you for having me in the show and maybe in, in, in a future show I will be able to say I came a bit closer to fire safety engineering ideas and concepts to call myself perhaps I don't know not a fire safety engineer but a bit more knowledgeable <laughs> in the field. 
You are the best fire safety engineer among earthquake engineers I know. So you, you can hold that title for okay, now. Okay, I'll take this title. And, <laughs> and maybe you want to experiment in yourself with the proper fire safety engineering curriculum and, and find out ways, w- what works and what does not. Adamantia, Could be. Yes. once again, thank you so much. And that's it. Thank you, Adamantia, for coming to the Fire Science Show. It was a huge pleasure to have you and uh, share some insight on how European Commission and its research arm, the Joint Research Center, works. It's, I find myself ignorant. I had no idea it works like this. And it, the episode was really reassuring in the way that European Commission actually uses science and knowledge to create new regulations and maybe not create regulations, but to issue requests for new regulations. And then once the regulations are put in place or once codes are being created, they have so many ways to affect how they are shared and used within Europe. So a very interesting view, a very refreshing. Plus, the work they've done on the report is just astonishing. You really have to take a look into the report if you If this interview did not convince you that you need to take a look into the report, I have no idea how to convince you even more, but it's it's really worth the time just to skim through it and see where are we with fire safety engineering in Europe. So thank you very much for being here with me. There are some great stuff coming next week uh, for you, so I better get back to my production studio and start working on those so much material to work on. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this show, I would highly appreciate if you could leave me a five-star review in your podcast application of your choice or maybe on my website. These things go a long way. So as always, I highly request that you do that. And I also request that you share this show with your friends who may be interested in fire safety. That's it for today. Thank you so much for being here with me. See you here next week on Wednesday. Bye. This was the Fire Science Show. Thank you for listening and see you soon.